Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My name is Kyle Hagee, and today we have a special co-host. That's me, Ashley Benson. That's right. We fired Ben and Sam, and we replaced (laughs) them with someone much, much better. Now, just kidding. They're still on the payroll, but Ashley co-conducted the interview with our guest today, so we are having her on as a co-host. Ashley, tell the people what the episode is all about today. Well, Kyle, first, thanks for having me. But just to clarify, there is no payroll. None. And Ben and Sam are still ahead of me on the org chart. On today's episode, we will be talking to Frank Martinelli, a man who is examining how nonprofits can address root causes to economic and social injustice. And let me tell you, it was an utterly fascinating conversation. Um, But we want to go on the record, on the pod, we might get some flack for this, but we are anti-injustice. Well, Kyle, I really hope so, because I've heard you and Ben are advocates for progress. That's right. Uh, you heard correctly, but today isn't about me and Ben. It's all about Frank and his work. So let's let him introduce himself right now. My name is Frank Marzinelli. I'm with the Center for Public Skills Training. I do training and consulting here in Wisconsin and in other parts of the country for nonprofits and public agencies. And over the last couple of years, uh, the focus of my work has really begun to uh, be more directed to what we're calling the Nonprofit Repositioning Initiative. It's an initiative to encourage nonprofits, especially community-based nonprofits working in low-income communities to begin to reorient their their work so that it has greater impact at the underlying systems level. One of the big ideas behind the initiative, and it's certainly not unique to, to the initiative, is that a lot of the services that need to be offered to people Uh, The need for those services is created by the malfunctioning of systems, the economy, the political environment, education, the criminal justice system. And so at the same time, we need to continue to provide services to people in need, if you will, uh, people that are, in a sense, brutalized by these systems that don't work for everybody. We've got to keep on providing those services. We've got to really begin to ask deeper questions, like below the surface, why are all of these people chronically hungry? Why are all of these black men in prison, sometimes for life? Uh, So that's basically the concept of it. What brought up this need to kind of dig deeper? What was your background? Did you work for some nonprofits and realize you know, we're helping some people, but we're not getting to these root causes. You bet. Yeah. For me, it, I mean, I've sometimes described it as a deep ache in my heart uh, that I've had for a long time, and I know that I'm not alone. But just this sense that we've got all of these wonderful people in communities, in neighborhoods, in nonprofit organizations working their butts off, mm-hmm. trying to make things better. And if we're honest with ourselves, if we look at what's happening, that needle that everyone talks about, the needle ain't moving. Uh, Or if it is, it's moving so infinitesimally slow that we're going to be doing this for the next 2,000 years, and then other people are going to be having this conversation. So that's really what has driven me. So speaking of those deeper root levels, so I know that your aspect of advocacy is important for nonprofits. So could you just explain what the role of nonprofits in advocacy is? 
You bet. First of all, uh, a lot of the nonprofits we're talking about right now are uh, in IRS parlance, are uh, in the category of 501c3. They're tax exempt nonprofit organizations. They don't pay taxes, and if someone makes a donation, that is tax deductible. The law is really clear that exempt organizations can, and from time to time, Congress has talked as though uh, it isn't just nonprofits can do advocacy, they need to do it. it it's bedrock. The law is very, very clear um, that, uh, that this is a, an appropriate, allowable activity. There are lots of ways we can deliver on our mission. There are a lot of ways we can meet community needs. We're spending way too much of our time doing it in the form of direct services to individuals. So let's keep on doing that, but let's do the other things that the law says we can do. And I think there's a certain urgency. Um, from time to time, uh, we've seen a generation of good work, a generation of results that can be attributed to direct services offered by nonprofits, a generation of that work wiped out with one bad law, with one poorly thought through um, regulation. And so, I mean, that, that I think makes the case. We, we can't risk that. Uh, and then in a democracy like ours, um, it's almost like everyone is organized for advocacy except the nonprofit sector. And I say that acknowledging that there certainly are nonprofits that do advocacy and they do it really well. I mean, there are plenty of groups that do it. But I don't think it's an overstatement to say that most of the sector doesn't. And if you look at some of these issues, if you look at some of the legislation that has always posed uh, as, as a threat to especially low-income communities, a lot of the nonprofit sector is eerily silent. It's like, why aren't they in Madison with other organizations that are working either to support a piece of legislation or to oppose it? I mean, essentially, to do what the law says we can do. So why do you think that some nonprofits elect to not do this advocacy work? Yeah, I think there are a couple of factors. There is great fear that translates into paralysis. There's great fear that if we rock the boat, uh, some of our donors are going to get ticked off. Um, some of our funders are going to get ticked off. And I think that, I mean, if you're running a nonprofit organization, you certainly need to give consideration to that. But it shouldn't become, as it has, a reason for large parts of the whole sector not to do advocacy. I mean, one of the things that um, we talk about, and we're going to be doing some training this year on it, is that if we're committed to advocacy, uh, if we begin to understand that that becomes another powerful way to deliver on our mission, then we have to, we have to build boards of directors that are equipped for advocacy. They're not afraid to do advocacy. Um, they're not mistaken um, uh, in thinking that, oh, this is something that we shouldn't do, we'll lose our exempt status. We have to build revenue bases that are pressure resistant. You know, he, and it's usually he, he who pays the piper calls the tune. There are many reasons why nonprofits don't do this deeper systems change work. So with nonprofits who are established and have a board of directors that are, have already been recruited, if they are considering shifting into this advocacy role, how can 
nonprofit leaders ensure that board of directors and staff are on the same page with this advocacy plan? Great question. One resource that immediately comes to mind, and it's an example of one of the things we're really going to be trying to put out there more effectively, is a campaign launched by BoardSource, a national organization, uh, the preeminent governance training and consulting organization in the United States. A couple of years ago, they launched what they called the Stand for Your Mission campaign. And there's a, a, an associated website for the campaign with some of the best resources in the country. And one of the resources is this guide, discussion guide, for boards of nonprofit organizations. So asking a board, I mean, we, we can't, um, we can't be a steamroller. I mean, we're talking about some fundamental changes. So in some cases, it needs to begin with sort of a gradual process. Let's start talking about this. We haven't done advocacy historically, but the law is really clear we can do it. And we've seen in the last year a number of pieces of legislation, a number of public and corporate decisions that have really hurt the people that we're serving. So maybe it's time to begin the conversation. And so this resource, uh, step by step, uh, as a facilitator, I can say it's really high quality uh, material, just a step by step guide to lead a board through that thinking process. And it, at least in terms of the Stand for Your Mission campaign, it's not a value-free conversation. I mean, the Stand for Your Mission campaign wants to encourage more nonprofit boards to engage in advocacy. But I think they recognize, as do I, that that decision has got to be freely made. And so here's a process. We're going to give you all the information that you need to make an informed judgment. So far, we've focused on nonprofits and how they're like an integral part of this machine. Why is your focus on nonprofits specifically? Do you think that they're kind of the key to the future? Do they have something special about them that makes their outreach more impactful than say a, a for-profit corporation or an individual? Good, good. Uh, and, and I think the point to be made, and my son reminded me of this, it isn't just nonprofits that have to help make this happen. Uh, and he and uh, anyone that would say that is absolutely right. But, you know, as we've discussed um, in other uh, situations, nonprofits are just incredibly well positioned to lead this fight. They're in the, the neighborhoods, in some cases for generations. They have relationships of trust with kids, with leaders, with residents. Because they've been doing this stuff for so long, they know what the system barriers are. I mean, they haven't gotten to them in, in some cases, but they have deep knowledge about what's working and what's not working. So, I don't know, it sounds like a leadership opportunity to me. As Frank discussed nonprofits playing a key role in advocacy and lobbying, we were curious about Frank's thoughts on how communities could build power from within. Another thing that we don't talk about in the nonprofit sector by and large is building community power. My earlier work life was as an organizer here in, in Chicago. And the goal was to build powerful, democratically run citizen organizations that were able to turn out large numbers of people uh, to confront elected officials, 
to move people to change. And the ability to do that, not once every 10 years, but to, to be able to mass that kind of organized citizen power on a consistent basis. We need to do more of that. But we've got to talk about power. Um, we sometimes talk about it in the nonprofit sector as though it's a bad, evil thing. And I like to point out that while we're shying away from the word power, many of the people that are on our boards of directors are parts of organizations that have great power and they're not afraid to use it. You know, they know how to win elections, they know how to beat down progressive legislation. We gotta talk about that. Yeah. You know, everyone has power except us. If you were talking to just the average citizen of Milwaukee that's convinced of what you're saying is the right approach to the future, what steps can they take to help this mission? Yeah, um, there are a couple of uh, things that immediately come to mind. Uh, and I'll start with the assumption that some of those individuals that you just alluded to, they're already working for nonprofit organizations. Some of them are. Um, they're already volunteers. Uh, they're already board members. And so some of the first steps that um, each of those categories of people can do is to begin to talk about this theme of we've got to go deeper. We've got to keep on doing the good work that we've always done, although periodically let's evaluate to make sure that it's working. Um, it, it, and it's not a but, it's not an either or. We've got to do the great work that we're doing and we need to figure out how to go deeper. So that if I'm on the board of a nonprofit, one of the things I can do is to raise the question of uh, why don't we do advocacy? And would there be interest in, I'd be willing to get some information. Um, I hear there's a campaign called the Stand for Your Mission campaign. Uh, would it be okay to contact that group and, um, and, and just see what they have to offer, that, that sort of thing. If I'm on the staff of a nonprofit, I'm probably already uh, thinking about these kinds of things. And, and I know that that's the case. There are a lot of people that I mean, they're even closer to it than we are, and they can see with their own eyes. But um, I've started to talk about entry points for change. Uh, there are a lot of nonprofits, and for a moment, I'm just going to talk about people connected to nonprofits, and we can talk to uh, you can talk about others in just a moment. But I call them entry points for change. Uh, that nonprofits, whether they're doing advocacy, public policy work, or just traditional direct services. They, on a regular basis, go through a number of important internal processes. They do strategic planning. They do board development. They periodically do evaluation and assessment of program impact. Those are all situations, those are all venues, if you will, to begin talking about root causes. So that if we're gearing up for a strategic planning process, let's make sure that part of the, the analysis the gathering of data, uh, the evaluation, the assessment. Let's make sure that we're also taking a fresh look at our theory of change or our program logic models. That's really important because if we don't examine things like that, we run the risk of skipping over that work and then beginning to develop a plan based on a logic model or a theory of change that it's almost like a straitjacket. It keeps us 
thinking only in terms of direct services. So that would be one example right off the bat. And what I like about that example is you're not asking busy people to do another thing because they're going to do strategic planning. Uh, they're going to do it sometimes because their funders require it, program assessment and program evaluation. So these are all moments when we can begin to ask these more powerful questions. In simple terms, this city would not work without nonprofit organizations. I mean, it wouldn't work without businesses, it wouldn't work without government, it wouldn't work, it would grind to a halt without nonprofits. Uh, so, nonprofits do a lot of really important work. The problem is that with, even with all of these nonprofits doing all this hard work, stuff is not changing. Uh, and that we have to begin to get to those root causes. We, we need to begin to get to the, the, the bowels of the machine, okay, and begin to change that stuff. And that it's not going to happen by magic. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to be a citizen. You don't have to be uh, an expert to do great advocacy, to do great public policy work, to be an effective board leader. So I think the message is get engaged, be prepared to ask some of these powerful questions. Uh, what are the root causes of the problems and the issues that, uh, that your nonprofit is uh, seeking to address? And are you, what are you doing to get to those root causes? In this conversation, Frank highlighted a very interesting topic that I personally did not think much about, uh, if at all, until I worked for nonprofits and, and had this conversation with Frank. I know all of us have a favorite nonprofit, and I bet you can think of yours right now. And typically, this favorite nonprofit is providing an incredible direct service, and we think it is super important. This could be food, it could be education, it could be shelter. And these nonprofits are doing some incredibly innovative and amazing things in this regard. But Frank has really challenged me to think about the root causes of why there are so many people who need these direct services in a country that is as rich and as powerful as the United States. This mindset shift allowed me to see just how uniquely positioned nonprofits are to both provide crucial direct services, but also to become advocates for systemic change that will help stop the need to provide direct services to constituents because their needs will be organically taken care of. I would encourage all of you to reach out to your favorite nonprofit and see what they're doing in terms of addressing these systemic challenges. We can all use our voice and influence to help change the systems of oppression we have in this country, and using this voice to influence nonprofits can be a productive way to accomplish this goal. Similarly, this is a topic I didn't think much about until working with nonprofits, and I'm really excited to see people in Milwaukee like Frank pressing leaders forward to address root causes to challenges people and communities face. Frank mentioned some great resources, including standforyourmission.org, that provides guidance for starting these conversations with organizational leaders. If you're interested in learning more, lucky for you, Kyle and I actually have worked alongside Frank to continue this conversation. And this Thursday, July 26th, from 10.30 a.m. till noon, at the BMO Harris Community Room, we will be presenting the findings of a study Kyle and I conducted this spring. And understandably, if some of you cannot attend due to its quick approaching date, 
please email kyle at bridgecitypodcast.com since I am still down on the org chart and don't have a cool email. Overall, this is not a conversation that stops here. We encourage you all to ask yourselves and others similar questions and see what we can do to positively impact our community. That's really great advice, Ashley. And thanks for being such a wonderful co-host on today's episode of Bridge the City. And we want to thank uh, Frank Martinelli for being a wonderful guest. And as always, thank you for listening and taking action to help us bridge the city. city.